in different ways and trying to and falling for that lie of intimacy as well. Um, most days I still hung my hat on this thought, this feeling that never really articulated, never specified, but always there that I'm left to myself to figure it out. I'm left to myself to um, navigate this life. Um, I came to college here in 2010, longing for more, looking for belonging, but I don't think I ever would have said it that way. Um, what I think I would have said is that I was looking for community, um, because I at least knew that I had I'd never been around a company of Christians before who generally believed the same thing. Um, dealing with my own spiritual journey of deep depression at the time, struggle and sin, I figured a community like Northwestern would fix me. Um, Again, I don't think I would have said it that way, but there was kind of this hope of like, woo, I'm admitted to Northwestern. Um, coming here, I could just get the community part of the package deal, right? Sign up for classes, sign up for community. Boom, done. Um, but what I initially found was still isolation. A lot of misfired connections, hanging around groups I didn't relate with, lack of follow-through, um, inauthentic conversations. I mean, I'm a really authentic soul, so I remember that, um, you know, in a kind of an immature sense really hitting me as well, but um, confusing emotional interactions and, and plenty of sin, a whole lot of us not thinking well for each other and mistreating each other. Um, many on campus came across fake to me and I was blinded by my own, I would call it smugness, but I think the real word for it is pride in that um, I believed I kind of owned the measure on authentic faith, right? I mean, we can interpret who's authentic, but... Um, Anyway, I wasn't really known at all, and by the time I was finishing my third quad here, so heading into spring break, um, I was ready to hang the hat on Christian community and transfer out, so um, that was the track that I was on going into spring break and totally was, um, was closed off to the possibility of, of furthering my education here. Um, over spring break that year, which is a much longer story, but I'll suffice it to say I met the Lord Jesus himself on my knees, on my living room floor, um, he met me with the kindest revealing of his knowing all that I was and all that I did, and he loved me. <laughs> um, he transformed my heart to believe that genuinely for the first time and opened me up to what he could be doing in me and others around me. Um, and I remember coming back to Quad 4 open. Um, I really believe that God's in the business of opening, and I've experienced for myself in this experience and many more that he opened my heart. He opened um, where the Lord was leading me. So by his hand and his kindness, I connected with some of my most closest friends, college friends during that quad, which is crazy. These were people that were around me. I was by them, and I didn't even know they existed to an extent. Um, two of the friends I made that quad include Sarah Larson and her husband, so that's kind of fun, too, that we still get to be around each other at Northwestern, and to this day are really near and dear to our hearts. Um, and I remember thinking that year at that quad I had screwed myself over and did not have any idea who I would live with the following year. Um, but the Lord gave the sweetest gift of close girlfriends, argu arguably for the first time. So um, that really being a gift to me at the time. I received it and responded with faith that this is where God had placed me and who he had given me as a community. Um, earlier this week, Sarah and Justin la launched Worship Arts Week, diving into the philosophy and beliefs around what that means here at Northwestern and what they um, believe that it is and what it isn't. Um, and when Justin gave the overview for the week, he kind of said that this Wednesday would be a break from that um, theme. But as I process and prayed, I see it way more connected than not um, because you see community is worship. Um, just like Sarah and Justin were saying about worship, being in community is active, it's intentional, it's submissive to the God who made us and gave us to each other for such a time as this. Um, 
giving ourselves in both vulnerability and care is a response to who the Lord is for us. Um, it's a response to knowing Jesus gave himself to us. And knowing Jesus compels us to know and be known by others, just like worship changes us, community changes us. Um, knowing people, real flesh and blood people in front of our faces are teaching us um, so much about who the Lord is that we wouldn't know in and of ourselves. Um, and that is a gift. And think about it. As followers of Jesus, we're the only kind of crazy people that can really know and love different kinds of people in care and kindness, um, whereas so many in the world can turn away and get away with it, you know? Um, there's so much more that could be said about the importance of people in our lives, but one thing that comes to mind is a lyric from one of my favorite bands, Colony House. Um, it goes like this. I need somebody who knows my name to shine a light on the darker days. Don't ever let me go. Brother, don't let me forget the truth and then come after me if I do. Don't let me walk away. I cannot do this alone. Um, there's this humility similar to worship, this surrender in um, submitting ourselves to the need for others, admitting our need for others. And um, like this lyric portrays, I, I've experienced brothers and sisters in Christ who have um, made me laugh when I didn't even think I could get up in the morning, that um, spoke truth to me when I couldn't even speak a word, um, encouraged my heart when it's broken, and lifted my spirits when they were crushed. Um, we need each other to speak into each other's lives. And so um, a lot of those experiences I had to were people I never would have expected or anticipated. So there is this intuition, you know, that I think the Lord gives us and in, in time and grace, it's really a gift. Um, but I've learned over the years that I don't always know what's best for myself. And um, it's, it's, it's definitely come out in my community around me in the sense of like, what? I didn't guess that you would impact me this way, but they do. And so um, let's just acknowledge that you can't handpick your community. Um, as much as our autonomous times uh, make us think that we can, it's really easy to, at least in the online world, follow who you want to follow, listen to who you want to listen to. Um, but yet, real flesh and blood relationships, the Lord gives us a context, and community happens in a context that we often don't necessarily handpick. Um, the truth is that the Lord has sovereignly orchestrated those around you to be all up in your life right now. Um, time is not lost on the Lord. Uh, these men and women that are around you are timely graces from God himself, um, revealing deeper dimensions of his love and goodness to you in Christ. And so we can receive that as worship and respond and think, hey, I wouldn't normally connect with this person, but this is a gift, this is a grace from the Lord for this season of life. Um, it made me think of Ephesians, the end of Ephesians 3, when Paul is praying that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints in community um, what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with the fullness of God. And uh, something that comforts me from that uh, passage is that we can know the dimensions of God. That's not a uh, the dimensions of his love. It's not a pipe dream. Um, that's real. That's real experience, and I believe that he reveals those dimensions through people a lot, a lot. Um, so you can know these dimensions of his love in and through others. Press into those who are around you um, for just like worship. There is substance no matter what the form. Um, so no matter who they are and what kind of personality or quirks or whatever, there is substance there, and there's glory there in the people that you interact with. Um, I think this starts with leaning into what's uncomfortable 
If I'm honest, my deepest relationships have come from some of the deepest conflict and misunderstanding and frustration, um, disagreements and annoyances. Um, loving others in Christ has to mean leaning in and not turning away. Um, when so many in the world turn away, we lean in. For After all, that's what Jesus did for us. Um, so that's very unique to our redeemed reality and um, risk the awkwardness of circling back in a conversation, asking a couple more clarifying questions, slowing down to hear what others have to say. Take time to confess the times you have hurt one another to each other, even sharing how you felt when they did this or that. Um, another lyric, sorry, this time switch foot. Uh, they say the wound is where the light shines through, and I believe that. There's so much grace in the difficulty. Um, all is grace, I believe it. I have it tattooed in my arm. Um, the good and the wonderful, the difficult and trying, uh, the uncomfortable, the awkward, it's all grace meant to mold and shape you um, by the Lord Jesus himself. So that's the kind of confidence that we have in him. This does not mean it's easy or even reasonable. Um, I have walked through seasons, especially post-college, of deep heartache and confusion around how, how and why certain people were in my life and why others weren't. Um, I've been beside myself, myself in times where I felt like I was giving, giving it all and not getting in relationships. Um, I've known what it's like to be valued based on only what I can perform, um, to be disregarded when I'm no longer useful or relevant, to be forgotten among people I considered closest. I know what it's like to long with every piece of me to be a part of an intimate community and still not get there. <clears throat> so let me speak to those that are in this room where this idea of close community is particularly painful. Um, to those who long to be seen, who struggle to trust, and who have been wounded deeply by different communities before. Um, to those who are weary of the interactions, tired of meeting people, exhausted of the same old small talk questions. I want you to know that he sees you. He sees you and he knows you. Um, you can run to him for refuge. That's real. That's more real than what you feel. Um, you are free to rest in him, and he understands the depth, the depths of your soul and will give you the grace that you need. Um, Psalm 139 this year has been a really healing passage for me, um, especially on the darker days of feeling unseen and unknown and unheard. Um, the Lord has graciously used his word here to heal the lie that I've believed that most for most of my life, like I said at the beginning, that um, I'm left to myself to figure things out. So let me just read a portion of it, but the whole passage is very rich with comfort of this, of his all-knowing grace. Um, o Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down are acquainted with all my ways, even before a word is on my tongue. Behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. You hem me in behind and before, which literally means that he surrounds. I mean, if you think about somebody hemming something, it's around and around and around and around. So I think about he's hemming us in and laying his hand upon us. Um, I would encourage you to read that passage every day until your soul catches up and believes it, um, that he understands you, um, especially, I just know what it's like to feel like no one understands but he does, he made you, he's your maker and sustainer and keeper. Um, no matter how many other people are close to you in this season of life. Your heartache is not lost on him. Um, 
your fear about meeting other people is welcome at his feet. And what is now is not always what will be. Um, I think about uh, even the glorious future we're promised in our inheritance in Jesus, that we will all be together corporately forever and ever and be praising the Lord together. Um, Jesus is more real than what you can see right now and what you can know in the people around you. So I want to end with a story um, about how the Lord used an imperfect group of people to do much more than I could even think or imagine that day. Um, It was a dark February night just this past year, so it's recent. I don't like to, I don't like to give stories that are too far back because then it kind of makes it sound like I did it. I can put my cap on it. I like totally learned how to trust the Lord in this. Um, but no, it was just this past winter, and I, um, for many years, have struggled deeply with with dark seasonal depression. Uh, in these Minnesota winters, I know some of you probably feel that too, um, and. Our community group through church was meeting that night, and um, as a side note, I've, I, I don't speak to it specifically today, but I've had my own um, difficulty and heartache with church community, um, and I'm sure those of you in this room have experienced that too, um, very hard and difficult misunderstandings and feeling unknown in church community, and so even the fact that I would be in a community group has been a faith-stretching thing for me. So just to note that as I think about this, and um, this particular night, my husband had a work commitment. And so previously, I think that would have given me a perfect out to just not go. I mean, just not go. How much can it, you know, add or subtract from my experience with the Lord? (laughs) Um, But my husband really graciously leading me and loving me really encouraged me to still go. And so I went trudging through the snow. I mean, it's part of seasonal depression is so hard. Like, everything is hard. Everything is hard. Like, getting into my car, warming up my car, um, driving there just all just feels like such a burden on the soul in the moment. It's hard to get out. And um, I, I have memories of, of getting out of the car and thinking, especially with context of previous small group experiences in different churches, um, really wounding and feeling like people acted like they knew me and they really didn't. So I'm walking up to my pastor's house thinking, these people don't know me. Like, what could they add to me? Um, what could they really do for me? And uh, how could they possibly care for me and understand me, especially in this complex layering of something like seasonal depression? Um, so I walked up to the door, and I remember whispering under my breath, Jesus is in this house. He's in this house. That's why I need to go. This is why I'm here. Um, no matter how it plays out with people, I know that he is here, he is what I need. Uh, The only hope that I have for light to break through, for burdens to be born in the truest sense, and any life and joy is in Jesus, and he is here, and that's why I can go into this house. Um, With hope barely hanging on a string, I went inside, and um, by the power of the Holy Spirit, I do believe I responded in worship in the fact that knowing Jesus was there freed me up to open up about such a hard to understand, at least in my mind, you know, emotional, spiritual battle that I was facing. And you guys, these people, these people that the Lord used, this group of men and women, imperfect and stumbling, um, sometimes awkward and not always eloquent, uh, were exactly what the Lord used that night to meet me, um, to address the darkness, to illuminate my heart and uh, lift my load. 
because Jesus was in the room. Um, it was worship. It was worship in my heart to respond to his presence there, to entrust that he would meet me with grace if I would share. And um, risking and trusting this piece of me, he humbled me by providing so much grace to these people that, again, I would have, I would have easily judged like these people don't know me. They don't know what the heck is going on. Um, so just really feeling understood and met in those ways and um, prayed over and prayed for in those ways. Um, so you see, with that story, I, I just want to emphasize that we don't always know what's best for us. Um, I don't want to diminish the intuition and the grace that the Lord gives to discern and wisely, you know, piece together, because we can't be friends and close with everybody in the world either. Um, however, I found in my own 26 years of experience so far that a lot of times the Lord chooses and uses people we would have never anticipated ourselves. Um, he knows exactly what you need, and he'll give you the grace um, that you need to enter into it. Um, his word says he is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound. You're meant to thrive like the Lord wants to see you thrive in relationships. And that doesn't mean, that doesn't always mean an exciting and life-giving way. Um, sometimes it's a really difficult and somebody's in your face um, telling you and rebuking you uh, which can also help us thrive too. I was just reading this morning. Um, I've been reading through First and Second Samuel with King David and that whole lineage leading up to Christ. Um, and I just read the story about him and Bathsheba, which I'm sure you guys are familiar with the story, where here's a man after God's own heart who constantly is inquiring of the Lord, like, shall I do this or that? And the Lord was very active in answering and, and giving him grace and uh, giving him victory in so much of what he was doing. Yet, yet, here's this David who um, sins against the Lord and grieves his own heart in um, committing adultery with another woman and... Um, Really, I think what even follows is more shocking to me as I read this morning of just like the self-deceival, deceiving process that happens when you do make such a decision like that. David's like convincing himself, making, you know, manipulating the situation so that her husband just dies and he doesn't have to deal with it and he gets Bathsheba, et cetera, et cetera. There's probably a more theological way to talk about that. But um, it just struck me this morning, the next chapter... There's a, it's a friend slash, I think it's kind of like a priest type role, and there's probably more history there, but I was struck with this Nathan shows up David's door and says, hey, <laughs> you have done wrong. You have done wrong, and you need to turn to the Lord. Um, and reading that this morning made me think, like, how many times, how many times would I have continued in a destructive pattern in deep sin and failure um, if friends didn't address me and just look me in the eye like, what the heck? <laughs> um, and yeah, I just really think that's, a, that's an important narrative as I think about that. Um, another verse I came across this morning, sorry to just be a little, little scattered here too, but um, Psalm 142, um, I was humbled, and I hope you guys hear it in what I've shared, but the Lord's healed me in a lot of ways to, you know, from darkness to light, from 
believing I was left to myself to knowing that I have all of the riches and strength in Christ that I could possibly need and I have people around me that actually love and care for me and I can receive that. Like, that's okay. I think there's a lot of struggle that even when you are cared for, you don't always feel free to receive it in authenticity and in truth. Um, so in Psalm 142, I just, literally this was one of those instances I just kind of opened to it, so that was really cool that the Lord would do that. Verse 3 to 5 says, um, When my spirit faints within me, you know my way. In the path where I walk, they have hidden a trap for me. Look to the right and see, there is none who takes notice of me. That same lie I believed growing up. No refuge remains for me. No one cares for my soul. I cry out to you, O Lord, and say, you are my refuge, my refuge. And so, um, beloved, as Justin calls you, I just want to, take that because I think that's so tender and it's real. We, we do love you guys as a, as a body. Um, I encourage you to worship. Um, as Sarah and Justin were saying, be intentional and active and submissive in the way that you engage with others and um, respond to the opportunity to care for others and be cared for. Um, you know, ultimately you're submitting to the Lord and what he has for you, so that is worship. Um, I know, I know it can be difficult. It can be really difficult. I hope that's evident from what I've shared. Um, but I'm convinced that God is in the business of opening wide, opening wide things in our lives and in our hearts. Um, and I know from our own experience that um, he can open really, really calloused hearts. And so... Um, Another shout out to Sarah Larson and her husband. If you guys don't know, they have a band and they're really good. So, Seavers, shout out. Um, but they have a line in one of their songs that has just been littered in my prayers recently where they sing over and over and over again, keep my heart open. Keep my heart open. Keep my heart open because I think it's got to be one of the hardest things in this, you know, time and space to keep our hearts open when it's so easy to close them, close them, close them off to um, what the Lord's doing and what he's speaking. Um, so I want to pray that for us now as we close, that he would open us, and I believe that he can. And um, join me if you want to. I, I learned this thing from, I really love Beth Moore. She's on fire. She has a lot to say, so if um, you guys want somebody to follow. But um, she, she prays a prayer of opening every morning, and I think the Lord has really used it in my life, and so I use it, my hand motions too, so if you guys want to do that, go for it. If not, not a big deal. Um, so pray with me. Father, would you open our minds? Would you open our ears? Would you open our eyes, our mouths, our arms, our hands, and our hearts that we would receive anything that you have for us, that we would respond to anything you give us, and that we would walk through anything that you might open for us because we know you're in the business of opening here. Would you draw near to those in this room who find the concept of community particularly painful, who have longed to be close to others and have felt left out, uninvited, unheard, um, I pray that you would give hope to their hearts that you know and you understand and you are still hemming them in behind and before and what is will not always be. And I pray for those in this room that do have a community that they would lean in. Um, I pray for strength and wisdom to 
um, really uh, be a community to each other um, in the hard and in the difficult, in the joy and the pain, in the enjoyment of each other and in the times where you've hurt each other. I pray um, that you would show them abundantly your wisdom and grace in responding as true friends in the Lord um, in community here together. And I pray for us as a community at Northwestern. Um, thank you for the work that you are doing here. I pray that those that need help will reach out. Those that need care will receive it. Um, those that are strengthened in you, Lord, that you, that you would be pouring them out for the sake of your kingdom and your love and your gospel. And I pray that you'd go before these students in this room as they go out throughout the rest of this day, that you would remind them that you are very close and very clear. In Jesus' name, amen. Go in peace. <laughs>